I'm Christian Chiller. Welcome to my podcast, an enthusiastic ramble through whatever has taken my interest the past week or so. Expect technology, games, history, travel, geekery, and as always, much, much more. Hello, everybody. It's been a good old couple of weeks since my KubeCon special. And this means I have a lot to cover, so this is going to be a pure links show. I have a few interviews I'm recording at the moment, but let's just dive into a pure links show because there's a lot to talk about. I think I'm actually going to start lighter and then get deeper. Let's let's do that. Or not necessarily lighter, but um, individual issues, shall we say. So first, this was from the Register, but also reported uh, widely in a few places. Whilst a lot of people have been focusing on rewrites of the Linux core, elements of the Linux core and kernel in Rust, Microsoft is actually busy doing the same in Windows. And um, this includes quite a, a few new features, some of which you'll start seeing uh, in the next few months, apparently, already. And uh, they've been converting a lot of C++ code into Rust. This includes the graphics driver interface, a bunch of internal syscalls. I I don't know much about Windows. Uh, (laughs) And some other places. Anyway, I found it interesting And of course, um, I don't think you'd ever hear from Apple announcing anything similar, and they're not likely to be switching away from Objective-C or Swift anytime soon. But you never know. I think they do employ Rust engineers. Uh, And one of the justifications for this was not just a technical one, um, although this could be argued by many, but also because it is easier these days to find Rust engineers than C or C++, which I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> is it too soon to make that call? Is it, is it too soon to say that, um, that, uh, that C and C++ have kind of had their day and that Rust is now going to replace all of that code? I don't know. I don't know enough about Rust to make to make that judgment, but I found it an interesting statement, and uh, maybe Rust will be in the same position as C and C++ in 20, 30 years. We'll see. But in the meantime, if you're a Windows or a Linux user, you can look forward to probably not even noticing that it's happened, and that's a good thing. Next, uh, I guess sort of beginning a series of posts where we should be worried about a few things. Um, this is at one end of the automation chain. Uh, it's a very human end of the automation chain, written by Antonio Regaldo on MIT Technology Review. The first babies conceived with a sperm-injecting robot have been born, controlled by a PlayStation controller, apparently, um, <laughs> which is somewhat damning, and not even by a doctor, but by an engineer. And uh, it amazes me how someone would agree to this, I'm guessing, because it was um, complex, advanced surgery that they possibly got for free. And it's hard for some people to say no to that, especially when IVF is quite expensive. But tie this together with a lot of other 
conversations that I will be covering very soon around automation and artificial intelligence, it doesn't take too long to connect one to the other and have AI controlling, generating babies. And I will just just leave that there (laughs) for now. Obviously, it's an amazing technology, but is it really already so easy to put life in the hands of automated, not at the moment, but it's not much of a leap, machines? Hmm. I know how I feel about that. And it makes me think of Brave New World, if you've ever read or There's also a comic if you want a more visual version of it. I don't think there's ever been any films or TV series. I'm not sure. Uh, This sort of visualization of machines just handling the next generation for us. This gets a little weird, doesn't it? Anyway, I'll leave that one there. If you have any thoughts on that or on Rust in Windows, then do get in touch with me at christianshaw.com. Before we revisit AI, let's sort of do a little bit of a um, a review of some of the other, other negatives happening in the tech industry at the moment, the sort of job cuts aspect. And there's an article here from Yahoo Finance showing how cloud adoption is actually starting to slow. Some of this, I think, is due to companies realizing maybe it's not all that and that it's not as cheap as a lot of people promised Uh, and there's some cost cutting of course some is that people are doing uh, much more distributed hybrid clouds but either way it shows that uh, whatever the reason I mean it's showing that that slowdown is happening so that that's one thing and then of course we have job cuts coming from many companies now Uh, Meta have announced some more And many have. And uh, even Apple is now starting to slow hiring. Hasn't cancelled it yet, but it's slowing. So everyone is doing this. And uh, who knows how long this sort of winter will last. But the interesting thing, and this again is from MIT Technology Review by Joy Lisi Rankin. But I also saw this discussed in in a few other places, but I think this was the article that maybe... Uh, sparked it, that learning to code isn't enough. This was something that everybody would tell people to do uh, sort of 10 years ago up to very recently if they were looking for a new job, looking for new skills, looking for a new employability potential was learn to code. And we can argue about the the impact of that we can argue about the quality of some of that education etc cetera, etc cetera. i've discussed that many times in the past that's not really what i want to talk about here but now with a lot of these jobs getting cut back or replaced or or actually getting superseded especially junior roles by ai what do we tell people to do now we've spent so long Telling people to learn to code is the next big thing you can do. Now what do we tell them? Now what do we tell the people who learn to code who can't find a job because companies are making cutbacks and would rather replace them with artificial intelligence? What do we tell them to do instead? And so it's quite an interesting article that goes into some of the details of that. 
in uh, that what is next and is there going to be enough potential behind it to to fill the gaps that were not only replaced previous that were not only created previously but are now being created even more and this is not actually this is also a historical article as well looking at where some of the aspects along the the past few years uh, what they missed out on in 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 amidst this education program and now what should we be doing learning from those mistakes in the past to potentially get to the problem we're now going to have when again telling people to learn to code isn't going to be enough anymore we need new things for even coders to do so yeah i found it a really interesting read and um all of this is part of the mit technology review education issue actually um and we'll see what happens and whether all these sort of boot camp courses and things over the past 10 years have prepared people for a change that I don't think anyone on or running the courses was was expecting. So <laughs> let's see what happens next, I guess. I think that's the best we can say at this present very, very uh, fluctuating point in time. And I'll link to some of the other articles talking about the various layoffs. This is from Vox uh, as well, but there's been plenty of them over the past few months of course next on vice by matthew galt palantir that wonderfully ethical company with a great reputation <laughs> demonstrated artificial intelligence to fight wars and there's a i'm going to redo the whole headline because it's it's wonderfully tongue-in-cheek palantir demos ai to fight wars but says it will be totally ethical don't worry about it so we now have the potential for machines to create our next youth and we also now have artificial intelligence to kill them again um i mean obviously this isn't being used by anybody but why demo something if you don't want people to buy it, especially a company like Palantir who have really had no shame in the past of having some pretty unethical products. So I don't see why they're going to change anytime soon. So yeah, great. Uh, read that article over on Motherboard. If uh, Whilst it still exists, I'm not sure what advice is shutting down, but um, whilst Motherboard still exists, they have some great content. So take a look at it. And let me know in the comments how you feel about the future. All right. So carrying on, if this is all worrying you a little bit too much and why not, let's focus on some uh, potential negatives, potential impasses, potential slowdowns to all this AI growth. First, this is one from Celeste Callio, who was running Stories by AI, uh, a sort of fun publication on Substack that for some time was just generating stories by AI. By AI. And uh, she has now said, they're not going to do it anymore. <laughs> because what started out as something fun is, is now becoming kind of too concerning. It's becoming too much like a reality that may end up having such an impact on creative writing that is it something that she wants to support anymore? 
and I, I spoke about this on a few shows, but not just the impact of writing, but the impact on writers is happening already with publications, et cetera, et cetera, stopping submissions because they can't cope with the increase in uh, generated content. And, you know, it's really kind of ruining the creative writing process for those of us who actually just want to write. It's not a matter of churning things out for money or whatever. It's just because we like writing. Um, and here's another sort of victim of it, someone who was actually using artificial intelligence to create content and now says it's um, it's too much. <laughs> it's time to stop treating this like something enjoyable and focus on the real human creativity. So I found that quite interesting. Uh, and you should have a read of it if you can find it over on that Substack. Similarly, the algorithm, also from MIT Technology Review, a lot's coming out of them, talks about one of their newsletters. I couldn't really find an actual article about this. It's just a newsletter uh, where they, let's see, the, the title is um, A Cambridge Analytica-style scandal for AI is coming. And this loosely ties into the announcement of the European uh, data watchdog talking about how uh, companies should start being more cognizant of all this very, very quickly, especially American businesses, to understand what is going to happen here um, and that they should really get on board with it before they create more problems, before the big scandal comes to blow everything open, although the Cambridge Analytica scandal with, with Facebook and with Meta didn't really slow them down. In fact, they're just as profitable as ever, so did it matter? But if you can find that on the, the algorithm, their newsletter, then, then take a look and, and see what you think. Finally, oh, wow, another one on MIT Technology Review. I've been reading it a lot. Melissa Heikler, OpenAI's hunger for data is coming back to bite it. This is something that's been coming up a lot over the past sort of six weeks or so, where even the the people behind some of these models are saying that we've kind of reached a peak for the short term because there's simply not enough data and processing power to go any further at this point. And that, of course, you know, um, at this point may not last a very long time. And does it matter anyway? We'll see. But... Uh, they're already talking about how we have kind of reached limits for now, but how long that will last, we don't know. Um, and how the scraping of all this data to get to the next levels, even ignoring the technical side, this ties in to what I was just talking about with the regulation, is that maybe what they need next, they will not even be able to get hold of because regulators have preemptively stepped in to stop them whether that comes from privacy reasons, whether that comes from uh, legal reasons, copyright reasons, et cetera, et cetera, that they may not even get to the next step legally and ethically. <laughs> Everything else, of course, we will see whether it stops anybody anyway, but there we go. All right, let's end on to lighter links. Farago 2. Uh, soundboard application for macOS that I really, really love, but I never used it uh, as much as I could have because it didn't really work with the Stream Deck, which is a wonderful hardware device from Elgato. 
And now it does. And actually, I really love the application now. It's much, um, it's much more integrated with my workflows. I will be using it a lot more. I expect to hear a lot more incidental sounds in all of my output very, very soon. And if you don't own Farago, then go take a look. If you do own Farago 1, then you get uh, an update, um, uh, an upgrade uh, discount. So take a look. It's really, really nice, actually. And finally ending on a kind of geeky joy. I feel like I've covered this before, but over on the Internet Archive, I love, 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 love old maps. And the David Rumsey map collection is fantastic collection of royalty-free maps. If any map lovers out there, go take a look. There's some wonderful, wonderful examples here. All for free, all on Internet Archive. Internet Archive is a wonderful place. I have used it many, many times for various resources. Go take a look. All right, then. So that was links for the episode and uh, some interesting topics there, I think. Many more that I will dig into in the near future. And if you have any opinions on them, please let me know. ChristianChiller.com, you can find my contact details. Or if you are uh, reading or listening to this, anyway, that doesn't really make sense, but you know what I mean. Uh, on Substack, then you can also jump in the chat or the comments for the issue and add your comments there as well. From me, uh, it's been a busy few weeks outside of many of my creative um, outputs. Uh, just uh, a lot of holidays in May, a lot of travel it disrupts the various things I'm trying to get done. So I'm not 100% sure if there's anything that I've been working on that has been finished since we last spoke, in all honesty. I think they're still ongoing. Uh, I did have my write-up of KubeCon, which was also the last episode of the show, so you've probably already heard it. So that's pretty much it on the writing front. I do have a few things in progress that are nearly finished, so should be ready by the next newsletter to tell you about them. And on videos, 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 videos. Um, in the past few weeks, I looked at uh, what we got. Uh, I'm not sure how many of these I might have mentioned before, but we have uh, Mac Whisper, Mac native audio transcriptions using OpenAI. A video where I looked at converting GarageBand and Cubase songs to Ableton. Me detailing how I migrated my Jekyll site to Astro. I looked at uh, music score for open source music notation. And finally, I looked at the new Raycast AI feature. And coming up probably just the day after this episode releases, I'll be looking at Autopod, which is actually an Adobe Premiere smart AI blah, blah, uh, plugin. And we'll be recording Inbots We Trust episode four. Uh, so new things, uh, lots of new video, not so much new writing, but uh, all that you can look forward to. Until then, keep an eye on christianchiller.com. And uh, yeah, I have a uh, new artwork that I need to color and touch up. Yeah, lots of things that have just been dragging on a little bit. New artwork to get ready, a collection of flash fiction, all of these things are very nearly ready, but not quite there, just because May has been a very busy month. But they're coming. They're coming slowly. They will get there eventually. 
So until then, thank you very much for joining me and take care, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the show. Find out more about me at chrischinchilla.com where you can find show notes, sign up for my newsletter and find all of my writing, games, work and video links. There's also details on how to get in touch with me. And if you want to get even closer to what I do, join my Discord server for behind the scenes discussions and helping me produce my shows and work.